0: Welcome, everyone. This is Manny Fishman, Northern California chair of the Buckhalter Law Firm Real Estate Practice Group. We are doing our second annual energy update relating to commercial office buildings. And it's great to have once again our two guests, Tom Arnold, the co founder and CEO of Gridium, a San Francisco based energy software and data analytics company that focuses on energy usage and management. And my colleague, John Kendrick, our expert on rate making, the electrical grid, and all matters relating to how energy impacts uh, real estate. So welcome back everyone. Even though we're just in February of 2023, it's been a busy year. And I think our calendar and the challenges that we're going to face this year are already coming into shape. So let's start with what seems to be some real um, initiatives that are taking shape. First is the status of clean energy ordinances requiring commercial building owners to purchase electricity from clean or renewable energy sources. So, Tom, let's kind of start with you. What does that mean? What really qualifies as clean, renewable energy sources? And how do we go about doing that?
1: Manny, thanks. And thanks for having me again on the podcast. Delighted to be back here again, talking about these themes uh, across our common client base. The big news is, as we discussed last year, the 100% renewable ordinance in San Francisco is now effective for the largest buildings, buildings over uh, half a million square feet. Um, What sources are uh, available? Um, It's essentially the the classical renewable sources. um, That's uh, wind, hydro, and solar. Programmatically, for most commercial building owners, that means that they must sign up for the green power program Uh, from the local utility. Uh, PG&E's program is actually closed due to a wait list. So most people were forced onto Clean Power SF uh, Super Green. The one exception would be direct access customers that were required to contract in the wholesale markets for uh, the same credits that utilities use to justify their renewable portfolio standard credits. So very high quality regulatory renewable credits. Um, But that's effective for the largest buildings currently. The next class is most other commercial buildings in San Francisco, and and that'll be December 31st, 2024. So definitely the first time that we've seen this across the United States where there's a mandate to buy 100% renewable electricity.
0: And uh, there are some reporting requirements for commercial building owners uh, with respect to meters, and that can be transferred to tenants that are on direct meters as well you should watch for that too. I suppose the big news in what is considered renewable and clean energy sources is as natural gas even though marketed as clean energy is not a renewable energy source.
1: It is not uh, and it, it comprises a great amount of the emissions from the built environment. And different advocacy groups and policymakers around the United States are approaching this this thematically in two different ways, uh, but both uh, both methods lead to everybody questioning the future of uh, our natural gas boilers in the in the built environment. Uh, it does not look good uh, for the long term future of natural gas as a space heating technology in the in commercial buildings.
0: And to focus on one of the themes that you. Talk about often, Tom. It's not easy for a large commercial office building with a large floor plate to really move to solely electrical and clean energy sources because of the cost involved.
1: That's that's correct. If you think about your home, adding a heat pump to your home is going to be very easy. The uh, volume of air that you need for an air source heat pump compared to the volume of your home and the space heating nodes is is, is trivial uh, from an engineering perspective. Um, If you think about uh, commercial buildings, especially high rise commercial buildings, most of those are heated uh, with a gas boiler that feeds a hot water loop and that loop temperature is very high and there's not heat pump technology available currently that makes it easy to make that hot water. And so buildings are a little bit of a, in a quandary because of course there's electric resistance heating available in markets like Chicago, you'll see electric resistance heating everywhere, but the conditions under which you can use that uh, for California buildings are are few and far between, um, which means there's a bit of a pinch. You, you don't know which way you're going to go. You don't know who has the regulatory authority and how you're actually going to solve this very thorny engineering problem.
0: This cost, to bring in clean energy, uh, electrical energy uh, just for our buildings doesn't necessarily mean that we're reducing uh, the carbon uh, footprint to generate that energy. Um, And so for the short term, at least, this is not cheaper energy. John, do do you agree? Do you have a view on that? There's a couple things to consider in what you just said there, right? Um,
2: So in terms of whether or not this is cleaner energy, uh, ultimately it depends on uh, the grid mix that's in effect at the time, right? So like in the middle of the night, you're not pulling solar right? Uh, I mean, you are pulling some sol- solar thermal still. There's a, a little bit of residual there, but but for the most part, you're not pulling solar. If the wind's not blowing, you're not pulling that. And so at that point in time, your electricity mix, regardless of whether or not you're on a 100% renewable plan, is going to involve uh, natural gas plants. It's going to involve um, all these other sorts of, of resources. So it, it's kind of a misnomer to say that this is uh, by by engaging in this uh, Community Choice Aggregators 100% renewable program, the energy that is being delivered to your house or your building is 100% renewable. Um, in terms of saying whether or not the cost of this energy is cheaper, that's always in flux, right? So, for example, right now, um, uh, if you look at natural gas prices in California, uh, they're crazy. Uh, they, they've gone through the roof in the last few days. Uh, it's popping up on people's uh, utility bills. They're, they're frustrated by that. But those costs are also going to be considered into the electric rate because we do have a fair amount of natural gas generation in California. And part of the rate setting is your fuel costs. So down the road, the, the, the high natural gas prices that we're experiencing right now are going to find their way into your electric rate.
1: Yeah, just to build on that a little bit on john's comments um you know replacing natural gas uh, in our in a very efficient office building is a very expensive way to decarbonize and john talked a bit about the fuel costs um anywhere from double to quadruple the electric costs of of natural gas on an operating expense basis and that's before we get to capital Gridium, through our retrofit business, has priced out several electrification studies uh, for large high rise. And we keep on coming up uh, with this capital number of $20 a foot, um, which is pretty massive in terms of the amount of investment um, uh, required in order to save that carbon. And as John points out, currently the grid average carbon emissions in California are uh, just over 500 pounds per megawatt hour, which means you're not really saving a lot of carbon between uh, electrifying the natural gas for space heating uh, because of all the losses in, in that equation. So it, it is a bit of a quandary. It is, uh, but, but, and I think this is the point that uh, real estate owners and operators need to understand, I don't see any slowdown of this wave. In fact, I see more policy efforts and more regulation coming to get natural gas out of the building. Uh, People are aiming for 100% renewable and policies naturally will get rid of gas uh, in order to meet uh, the net zero goals that many administrations and governments and localities have actually established.
0: I think that is a takeaway for anyone listening to this podcast. Uh, While it seems painful now um, and um, uh, the, the market seems to be gyrating significantly on cost, this is a trend that's going to continue and only build. For example, the California Air Resources Board and the San Francisco Bay Area Air Quality Management District are both seeking to ban the sale of new boilers by 2030 and 2031. So that will necessarily remove natural gas as a source of generating heat um, and only exacerbate what we're seeing um, uh, in many municipalities as initiating electrification um, uh, mandates.
2: Yeah, I, I was just going to say, you know, you see it not only in these sort of uh, uh, big items like getting rid of natural gas or, you know, ending the sale of uh, of gas boilers by 2030, but you also see, uh, for example, the Public Utilities Commission uh, last year eliminated line extension uh, incentives uh, for natural gas lines, right? So people that were building out um, new subdivisions. Uh, Part of the cost of that, um, there were incentives that were being provided under the the old regime where natural gas was considered to be cleaner than the grid mix. And so we wanted people building to have natural gas in their homes. Now we've switched off and said, no, we're not gonna incentivize the development of these new lines. So so across agencies at, at various different levels, at local, at state, at federal, you're you're seeing all sorts of different. Um, uh, they're are all efforts that kind of ping out in different directions, but the overall goal is is the same.
0: And California is not unique. Tom and John are both uh, saying that there are obviously ordinances in in fact in Seattle, um, New York, and other major uh, cities in California. So again, the takeaway is that you need to focus on a long-term solution uh, and analyze how to uh, replace some of the capital building systems that you have uh, to address what is going to be a mandate for electricity being generated by clean energy uh, sources. Let's, um, again, focus a bit on how we can generate all this electricity. And I'd, I'd like to start with John because you kind of touched on it in one of your responses before, is there enough electricity being generated by the grid and is it reliable to meet all of these needs? Well, you know, I, I think uh,
2: that's a complicated question, right? Because California faces challenges, many different types of challenges related to electricity right? So uh, climate change has uh, changed the fire season, has created a a lot of challenges in terms of uh, grid hardening, in terms of when you have all these different um, resource types, uh, making sure that you have enough energy to serve the need at at various points in the day. Um, So, yeah, I I, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, there are things that are, 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 productive, right? Uh, that have happened recently. The Inflation Reduction Act uh, has certainly incentivized uh, the development of uh, new renewable resources. It also has incentivized the development of utility-scale battery systems, right? So th- those are all good things. Uh, those also have a long lead time while we're facing all of these significant challenges. To, if you ask me today, do we have the, the resources on the grid to go 100% renewable? The answer is no.
1: Yeah, let me characterize uh, our, our view on this. Um, uh, just first of all, let's just broad brushstroke what we have to do to meet the state's goals. Uh, we have to basically double the electricity uh, supply in, in California. Uh, that's electrification of transport, uh, heating, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I'm more optimistic on uh, on the energy side. I, I think that we have an absolute abundance of energy. We, what we lack is, is power. And let me say more, um, uh, solar cost curves continue to decrease. Um, we've, uh, John mentioned um, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, we're about to <laughs> embark on offshore wind in a serious way. Um, uh, we're, I have no uh, issues whatsoever in, in terms of our ability to satisfy that doubling of energy. Um, when we use energy um, uh, in that transition is going to be very difficult. Um, uh, There's some evidence that our electrification pathways are going to lead to winter peaking. Um, We already have a problem with the summer peak. And uh, for those that don't follow the grid closely, uh, we were very, close to, le- to losing the grid. Uh, you might recall that you got an emergency alert on your cell phone, and it was actually those emergency alerts and people just running around their house turning stuff off that saved the California grid. But we were within hours of losing the California grid, um, which would have led to you know, hundreds of uh, uh, billions of dollars of economic losses uh, for, from that, that kind of event. And, and and that's the challenge for society is decarbonization of the grid is hard. Um, uh, it's easy to think about new resources coming all online and uh, swapping things, but we've got to maintain uh, reliability of the grid. And that's the critical problem here is it's very hard to imagine a 100% renewable grid and getting from 500 pounds per megawatt hour to zero or even 50 pounds per megawatt hour, that's gonna be a very difficult transition and a very difficult engineering problem because of the top 80 or 100 hours a a year in California.
0: I think that's the second takeaway, uh, which is that the cost of trying to get to net zero uh, is extremely high. Um, It is going to be painful for the next several years. And so the question I have for both of you, uh, Tom in particular, is what steps are you recommending building owners take? Is it direct access agreements? Is it aligning interests with our tenants so that they bring down their energy consumption and feel the pain?
1: Yeah, you mentioned uh, direct access. Um, everybody should apply for the direct access program. It gets you into the wholesale markets. It's, it's a bit of a lottery um, uh, in terms of your, your odds of getting in aren't great. But if you get in, you can access uh, lower cost energy just like the utilities do. And so that's a no-brainer thing to add to your energy management program. Zooming out, uh, when we started the company, uh, PGE rates were about 17 cents. Uh, if uh, the rate case in Q4 goes through, uh, system average rates will be over 30 cents a kilowatt hour. And I believe that the next 10 years we'll see retail rates go over 50 cents. And so, if you're a property owner looking at things, uh, uh, the only real solution for you is buy less. If you want your energy bill to go down, buy less. And, uh, you know, let me make a plug here for energy efficiency. When I see a fluorescent bulb, I shake my fist. When I see a motor without a VFD, I shake my fist. Um, You know, those are opportunities for everybody to reduce the operating expenses. And when you invest in energy efficiency, you typically get double digit uh, IRRs um, and you can bring that value directly back to. Um, the net asset value uh, of the of the investment
0: john can you talk a little bit about uh, direct access as well and maybe um what you see in that area
2: yeah you know i I think tom kind of nailed it on the head when he said it's a lottery it's really hard to get into um you know there's basically application cycles uh you know if you get in, you're in a better position than you would be, for example, under the um, the community choice aggregator option, right? You're going to end up paying a, a significantly lower rate. Um, but I think the reality is for most people, it's not a
0: realistic option at this point in time. Well, we've gone on for about 20 minutes at this point, and I think it's time for a break. I want to thank. Tom Arnold, the co-founder and chief executive officer of Gridium, and my colleague Jonathan Kendrick of Buckhalter for participating in this podcast. We have so much to talk about that we're going to end here and continue with a second phase, volume two of this podcast, where we'll focus on electric vehicles, ESG, and predictions for 2023. Thank you.